Get ready. Genesis Dutch. 16-bit arcade graphics. Sagabit Swingy Report Show, episode 59. I'm Barry, and with me is George. Hello. And Bartman. Howdy. Everybody do the Bartman. And on today's show, we are going to be talking about the Sonic the Hedgehog spin-off titles on the Sega Genesis. Why? Because I made a great intro for the Genesis Month shows. We've only done two, and I want to do more Genesis-themed content to make uh, take maximum advantage of that. Also, George and I are trying to get a special person on for an interview. I'm not going to say what it is because I hate being wrong. But if it does work out, it'll be a lot of fun. But uh, before we get to that, uh, we always go around saying what we've been up to and what we've been playing, and I always throw it to George. George. Why do I have to go first? Because but, uh, I love putting you in a bad position. Right now, I'm uh, I'm getting – I'm in, the, in like a club at school, I guess, and uh, – we're trying to get uh, everybody together to play Fantasy Star Online 2. So we're, I'm finally going to cave in, and I'm finally going to download the Japanese version. And so I've been doing that, and lately I've been playing this, like, the game's not that good, I'm going to be honest, but Loadout. I have, like, 50 hours on it, and the game isn't that good. It's just a shooting game, a third-person shooting game. But I don't know. I'm addicted to it. I can't. I don't know why. And that's kind of bad. Huh? I kind of had that same problem when I was playing like the original Fantasy Star Online, where like I was really intrigued to play, but in reality the game is actually super boring. <laughs> yeah, and it's like I don't know, it's repetitive, the same thing, but I don't know. It's I just like like getting on for like an hour real quick. Which game are you talking about? Your shooter? It's like a, it's a, called Loadout. It's a kind of like a cartoony free-to-play uh, third-person shooter on PC. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's like about customizing guns and like unlocking new things and making the gun more powerful. So now um, you know what Candy Crush Saga players feel like, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm so glad I never got into mobile. I swear I'd be so addicted. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, that's what I've been up to, and that's what I've been playing. All right, Bartman? No, Bartman. Uh, <laughs> no, it hasn't really been a whole lot in terms of video games for me since I've been trying to prepare for my move. Uh, but... Um, I've been playing through my Kickstarter games that I've backed that have finally put out at least the first parts of them, which is like Broken Sword 5, finished that up, and then I started up playing Broken Age, which is the Double Fine game. Um, of course, the thing is, with both of those adventure games, like, they try to hone, you know, they, they try to replicate the same feeling of, like, those old adventure games from, like, the mid to late 90s that just kind of fell off the wayside. Uh, and they're fun, although... I kind of feel like that there's probably something that's kind of missing from both of them, especially for like Broken Age, which I went through the boy story uh, in the begin, and uh, I somehow finished it in like maybe an hour, and I was like, I don't know, I don't know if that's like literally supposed to be like half the game, like one fourth of the game right there, since in Broken Age you play as a boy and a girl character, and they have two separate but eventually interconnecting storylines, mm-hmm. uh, and I kind of feel like that seems strangely short and kind of easy for what is to be like you know a lucas art you know a, 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 an adventure game that tries to evoke the feeling of what a lucas arts uh adventure game uh would present itself and, and what uh, do you think about the so you play the boy story first or you could pick which one you play first and beat it 
Yeah, you can you can pick whichever one you want to play first, and you can switch between them at any time. But I never really bothered with a girl because I just felt more interested in like what the setting was for the boy. Uh, and of course, the boy is basically kind of uh, in he's in space and he's in like in the space station, and he's being taken care of by this computer that pretty much has the persona of his mother. And because it's so overly protective and out of date, it never really. Uh, it never really accommodated for the fact that the boy would eventually grow up. So everything is obviously supposed to be made, tailor-made for a kid, but as like a growing teen, he just kind of grows tired of everything around him. Especially since there's not really a whole lot that can uh, that can uh, you know give him enough variety for anything that's going on. Like I, I kind of find that that part of the plot very interesting, but I don't really know much of anything about the girl because I have never I I only touched her for like maybe. Two minutes, touch in a good way, you know. Yeah, I was gonna say right now, you touching is not the word you want to use on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I experienced a little bit of the girl. There you go. That's how we say it. Yeah. <laughs> how about you, Barry? Uh, I've been playing a lot of uh, 3DS on my commute to work. I've been playing uh, Bust a Move Universe that I picked up used for five bucks, and I, it's so weird. It's like a it feels like you're playing a, a $2 iOS title, but they gave it a package release. It's fun. I like Bust a Move, but still, it's like it kind of sucks that I have to get a cartridge out to play such a a game that is smaller than any game I have on my iPhone. Uh, let's see what else I've been playing. Uh, I got back into, um, what's that, Animal Crossing, uh, at least for the last few days. I kind of, when I take it out of the 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 uh, 3DS, I kind of don't go back to it for a long time because it's too much effort to switch games because I'm lazy. But yeah. um, and, and I also feel like I've gotten the most out of it after four days. Like I'm like, all right, this is spring. I've experienced spring. Uh, I guess I'm going to turn it off till summer comes around or some holiday. But uh, yeah, and um, I've gotten a few a few things. I bought a. Uh, iCade Mobile at my local GameStop for 10 bucks. It was new, and it was, like, sitting in the corner on the floor. It was beaten up, ripped up, and sun-damaged, and it had five stickers on it. The price dropped from, like, 70 or 50 all the way down to 10 uh, It's pretty cool. It's, I mean, the we'll talk about it during the news portion, but the Fire TV that came out with Amazon, you know, that's the you can play Sonic 1 and 2 and CD on the TV. So with this, you can play it with physical buttons, at least on mobile, which is nice. Um, what else did I get? Oh, and I bought a Dazzle HD recorder, so I'll be able to do some Sega Channel Retro stuff in the coming future. Finally. Yeah. Uh, I'd especially like to stream Jet Set Radio later this month, uh, the Japanese version, and uh, Sega Pico games. So, get excited. We're going to learn colors, numbers. George will finally know what comes after 15. What comes after 15? Well, I'm not going to spoil it for you. I'm going to Google it. I don't need to know. <laughs> it's girls. Google what comes after 15. Girls. Um, girls. Google will ask Barry. <laughs> Barry um, knows. No, it'll say stay tuned to Segabits later. <laughs> <laughs> we bought Ad, AdSense. Uh, no, so, yeah, so that's what I've been up to. And, nice, uh, nice. Let's let's throw it to George for the news. Okay, that's it. All right. Um, <laughs> first of all, I guess uh, the beta for uh, Fantasy Star Online 2 Southeast Asia English starts mm-hmm. soon, but it's IP uh, blocked, so you can't really get into it 
well, uh, you can't even register that the site is actually a uh, IP blocked. But Fantasy Star Online 2 ES, the Android and iOS, well, it's not, the open beta is already out right now in Japanese for the mobile version on Android, but not on the iOS yet. And mm-hmm. you could download it already. And uh, I guess the long short of it is they added a card, like kind of a card system called Chips, which basically is like you could touch the card on the screen and it does the power. But there's like there's only uh, there's chip points you could use, so you don't have to like spam them. And then there's an energy system where, which means you can't just play all day because there's a, a time limit, like most mobile games. Uh, but they're they're also a, st- a step ahead of us because, at least on the Android version, because if you don't have a Japanese Android device, then you're gonna get country blocked for your device. And there's no. Oh, really? It's country blocked. Yeah, I tried to download it on at least one of my devices, and it said no. Like none of these are Japanese devices, so it's not even gonna bother. Like developers are able to oh, okay. set what I... regions are able to download uh, their games and whatnot. Like even uh, in the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. Uh, collection is also on Android, but they never released it in America. So uh, if you try to download that from the App Store, it's going to be like, no, nah, man, no, you're no good. It's not happening. Well, the HD collections in America on iOS. Yeah, you can download it off on iOS, but not not Android. Ah, right, right, right. Okay. I forgot. There's another platform. Yeah, Android can. Yeah, I just noticed. It says, it says uh, incompatible. Yeah, it says incompatible with my Nexus Seven and my Samsung Four. Um, yeah. So yeah, you can. You most likely could get it when the APK comes out online, which we more most likely will link to anyway. And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the Fantasy Star Online two news. So and we'll and I guess Amazon some... Fire came out a hundred dollars. Oh, what happened? Yeah, did you, did you buy yours? Mine's on the way. You bought one? No, I yeah, you could buy one right now. Just it's they pull the Sega Saturn literally to the point of like, hey, <laughs> so we are coming out with the Amazon Fire TV. In fact, it's coming out today. That's right. No, I'm more impressed that Barry bought it because he like I didn't, he I didn't. find consoles. I did, Barry. You're you're a terrible journalist. How are you I not? Gonna, how, how is the general public not going to know if you're not willing to test out anything that comes out? Well, it said it said it. It was just as soon as it went live with my uh, Amazon Prime, I was like, "You can have it by Thursday." I was like, "I could have it by Thursday, couldn't I, Amazon?" But yeah. I didn't go for it because <laughs> I don't have a hundred dollars right now. Well, but, darn. Um, yeah, but it. How does it stack up against the other ones? I mean, uh, I think George, you were talking about how the oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, it doesn't really advertise that it's a media device, and you didn't even think that it did. Uh, Half the stuff that it can do. I I just wanted to buy an OES. I could put XBMC on it. That means you have to hack it and take the OS out. So I guess it's not really an OES. So, mm-hmm. but it seems like Amazon is building this to first be a I guess a a streaming box with games on it right now, and then later add more games I guess and make it more into a gaming platform. Yeah, of course. Part of the problem is you are limited to the Amazon ecosystem when you get into it. So, on the plus side, uh, they're you know they do offer like their app free app per day, and currently Sonic CD is one of those free apps. So if you get an Amazon Fire TV, apparently you can get Sonic CD absolutely free. Uh, and I I guess that means that you can uh, the apps that you download from their store is also tied to your same uh, you know for like every other Amazon 
Kindle device that you have that will run those apps. So, like, basically anything that... Of course, the the, ga- the games have to be specifically designed for the Fire TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, you know, Taxman, who converted Sonic 1, 2, and CD with Stealth to the uh, Android platform, like, he was easily able to convert those games to the Amazon Fire TV since it's an Android-based device. Uh, the only problem that they those games have is that since there's no Google Play uh, equivalent, there's not going to be any kind of online infrastructure. So you're not going to get leaderboards, no achievements, and the multiplayer mode in Sonic 2 is also gone. So it's even kind of a hard screen. sell. Even split screen. Yeah, even split screen. He, uh, Since the project never really asked for any kind of split screen functionality in the first place, they're not going to add it into this version, which is really unfortunate. But if you want a console-based platform that will play those games those editions of those games well amazon's got your back because even the ouya still doesn't have sonic 1 or sonic 2 on them right now that's and, true yeah and well the controller you have to pay more for right it's separate yes it's how much is it 40 40 that's although, crazy considering although, it's no go ahead barry no i was just gonna say that considering it's nearly half the price of the console Oh, definitely. But like, apparently, it also comes with like a. At least now, it comes with a ten dollars certificate for like one of their flagship titles that they're uh, shipping with the the Fire TV. Uh, and of course, part of the one thing I really don't like is that the remote for the 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 Fire TV is basically just a standard remote. So you can't double it like a Wii remote can as a two D platformer controller or something like that, which. I think is a big misstep if they really want to make uh, take you know video games seriously, and they're trying to. You know, they got a bunch of big names behind it, and you know, there's more than just uh, Sonic coming from Sega on the on the Fire TV. You also got Crazy Taxi, you got mm-hmm. the Cave, and I think you have a Virtua Tennis game on there too. Yeah, I was going to and... name the games right now. It, we got Sonic CD, Sonic One, Sonic Two, Sonic Four Episode One, Sonic yes. two, Four Episode Two, yes. Crazy Taxi, The Cave, and Virtual Tennis Challenge. Yes, thank you. Well, it should be noted, too, that, uh, I mean, I know people shit all over Sonic 4, but uh, at least these ones are stable, unlike the iOS versions currently that Sega just kind of abandoned. Yeah, but you're still going to, more than willing to bet, since it's the Android version, you're still going to get the mobile version of Sonic 4 Episode 1. So guess what? You get the minecart. That's strange. Strange Hopefully not, but I guess we'll see when it comes out, right? Or when when, uh, Barry gets it? (laughs) When it comes out, yeah. Day one. Well, it's already out, technically. I got yeah. the day one edition, yeah. The day um, one and, edition. And the, the last bit of news we'll talk about for this week is uh, Cave Speak releases an English patch for 7th Dragon, which uh, only took them forever because the game came out in 2009. So like half a decade. But uh, now you, if you guys want to play that game, you guys have an English patch. Okay. Play it. Isn't it? I don't really know that much about uh, Seventh Dragon, but apparently it plays similar to Atrium Odyssey, or is it supposed to be like yes. a? Yes, uh, it's the, uh, desi- like a the designers, I think, are on it. Uh, oh, really? So yeah, basically. Now is it more like that, or is it more like um, like the Mystery Dungeon series of games, where it's kind of like you just kind of trial and error your way through, and then you just kind of grind to get through the game, like uh, by progressing slowly to build your characters and whatnot. No, it's like Etrian Odyssey or whatever that game's called. That's basically like the developer's image pooch or whatever they're called. So, mm-hmm. yeah, basically uh, they're kind of doing their own version of that. Sega was trying to, but they only did two games. And the first one was on the DS and the second one was on the 
PSP or like 2020. It was like a futuristic version. Hmm. And it was on uh, PSP or Vita or something. But the DS one got patched, so that's good. Not so and bad. Uh, that's all for news, I guess. There wasn't that much news this week, like all Yeah, there hasn't been a lot of news this year, to be honest. Yep. Well, Sonic I... Boom, Sonic Boom, Sonic Boom. That was like the biggest piece <laughs> of news, which is strange. Yeah, I know. We have to wait a long time, too. Well, you never know. It might, it might come out. I feel like it's going to come out in August or September. That probably sounds about right. Uh, I mean, since it, you know, it is, I mean, as far as all I remember is that it's supposed to be coming out this year, along with the 3DS game, we still know absolutely nothing about. Oh my, you're right. Yeah, I haven't seen a thing of that. Nope. I also like to note that the ratings on uh, the Amazon Fire TV aren't that great on uh, on Amazon. So. <laughs> oh yeah. Actually, one quick thing about that that really bothers me is that you only get like 5.5 gigabyte of storage, even though it's supposed to have 8 gigabyte of storage total. But I'm pretty sure the other half is taken up by the operating system. So, better be careful by down if you that you don't download too many games on that thing. It'll start on fire. Exactly. <laughs> we can uh, talk about. Uh... The point of the podcast? What was yeah, it? Yeah, uh, the main feature of this podcast, just uh, keeping with the theme of Genesis Month, even though it's April, let's just uh, assume that we've locked on a uh, expansion. Like this is the 32x of uh, Genesis Month, so we've we've extended Genesis Month by just a few weeks uh, for a few more podcasts. And today we're going to be talking about Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, Mr. Sonic the Hedgehog, who recently followed us on uh, Twitter. Thank you, sir. Um, his spin-off titles on the Sega Genesis. And uh, I think the most fitting game to start with is Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, which has nothing to do with Sonic the Hedgehog. In fact, I don't even think he appears in it. So, no. um, yeah, he's this game is... a character you play as. He, is he a character you play as? Nope, he's like just a boss. And uh, when you that's play right. like, the versus mode, it's just, you know, you don't have any avatars to pick from. That's right, that's right, yeah. And uh, so this was developed by Compile, uh, the Puyo Puyo folks, and I'm sure, I'm not sure about you guys, but I mean, when I when I got this game, like, it was Mean Bean. I never even knew what Puyo Puyo was until years later. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah, same here. I mean, of course, I think this was also, might have been around the same time that Kirby's Avalanche, which was Kirby characters in a Puyo mm-hmm. Pop game, kind of fused together. Uh, of course, I played Mean Bean Machine first because I guess I had a Sega channel at the time, and uh, or at least in '95 in when I when it came out or whatever. And that's probably the uh, first time I actually played it. Mean Bean came out in November '93, and Kirby's Avalanche came out in '95. So it sounds oh, like wow. uh, they compile wasn't uh, too. Uh, they were pretty leery of releasing Puyo Puyo in West uh, Western territories, which I guess I could understand. It's it's, I mean, it still hasn't really hit the West. It released uh, Puyo Puyo Fever released in the UK, I believe, on the GameCube. Yeah, it's, it also came out in America, too. I mean, it, it it only came out on the GameCube in America, however, uh, even though there was, like, PS2, Xbox, Dreamcast, blah, blah, blah. But that was probably the first time that Sega was willing, or even Compile even, was willing to kind of let the QT Japanese characters kind of take front. Uh probably wasn't until like the early to mid 2000s before companies started, you know, being more upfront about, you know, these kind of puzzle games with cute Japanese characters. Although it was still, it's still kind of limited even today. 
Well, Mean Bean Machine, the interesting thing about it is it's kind of a um, Super Mario Brothers 2 situation where it's not so much a direct port with just like a name change. They really they really changed a lot with the game itself and the assets. It's uh, um, based on an earlier uh, Japanese version of Puyo Puyo. And um, I guess uh, just looking at the information about it, it was released in South Korea under the name of Dongu Rite Chi Jack Jun. Sounds interesting. Rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> mm-hmm. They should have um, just released it like that in America. Yeah, really. Yeah, and also the most, and another interesting thing about it too is it's uh, the only game on the Genesis that is uh, directly based off of one of Sonic's um, American cartoons, Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, using all the main villains from that with the. Uh, the Milton Knight design of Robotnik, Coconuts, Grounder, Scratch, and even a lot of characters that, and we can talk about this too, um, appeared, I believe, in the pilot episode of the of the TV show. But I don't know which one came first. I don't know if they made the show and then made the game, or if they made the game and they're like, hey, here's some robot designs you guys can use. Well, I do know, at least in like the game over screen, like there's like the shot of Robotnik kind of uh, lording over these other robots, and those robots like are lifted directly. If I recall, that was lifted directly from the pilot or whatever. Or there's a scene, yeah, from Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, an early episode where he's like doing this sort of Hitler speech to all the robots in the room, and he's yelling at them. I mean, let's not dance around the the fact that Robotnik is Hitler. (laughs) <laughs> so um yeah but uh, there's a lot of uh, unique enemies there's uh, i'm looking at the names here they got some pretty weird names arms frankly humpty davy sprocket squeal dynamite spike sir fuzzy logic and dragon breath have you guys ever beaten the game on hard oh god no, I don't I don't no. i've uh i've used codes or game genie to um get there but I've definitely not beaten it. Like, um, he, like when you run up against Robotnik, like he's extremely tough to fight against. I mean, even like you get up to coconuts and you're like, oh, whatever, it's coconuts. And then he just destroys you if you don't really know anything about how to make combos with the Puyos. Yeah, uh, I got the uh, – it took me hours, but uh, I got the Platinum on the the – the re-release collection and I, and that was like the last one I had to do and it was so annoying dude I had to see Robotnik's little face with his finger mocking you every time you lost for like hours dude it just got burned into my brain yeah but you had the power of safe stage right I didn't even use it oh, okay. I, I wanted to beat it I just wanted to beat it beat it George is legit all right all right I, I, I'll trust him on that and uh, to, to note, too, Sonic actually does not appear in the game at all. Uh, Robotnik is the final boss, and um, the main character of the game is actually, I believe his name's Carbuncle in Puyo Puyo. Or, yeah, in Puyo Puyo, but here he's called Hasbeen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's the little orange dude that kind of starts off the, the game and whatnot uh, when you're in the main Puyo field and, and whatever. And he just stands around and kind of reacts. And I should note, too, no one ever Google image search Carbuncle. It's the most disgusting thing ever. Oh. It's some sort of, like, skin condition where, like, your body erodes and there's, like, it's disgusting. <laughs> I don't know why they would name anything that. Because I was, I was making an a article image one time, and I was like, oh, Carbuncle. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, but what, what are your guys' memories with the game? Uh, did any of you pick it up when it was brand new? No, I never really bought it. I mean, I, I have it in, like, all these other Genesis collections that have come out, but 
you know, it definitely, I mean, it obviously introduced me to like what Puyo Pop is, but when I was a kid, I had the hardest time trying to play it because I didn't really have the cons. I couldn't really grasp the concept of like getting combos down correctly. And of course, like everybody else I would try and play against, which would be like my one or two of my cousins. And then that's it. Like I didn't really get to experience this game that much. But it wasn't until, like, later, like, Puyo Pop Fever that I really started getting into it. And, of course, I should say they're called Beans, not Puyos, mm-hmm. in the in this game. And uh, there are also the um, the clear ones are called Refugees in the game. <laughs> <laughs> you think with all these bean puns, they'd call them Refugees or something, but no, they yeah. just call them Refugees. Uh, man, I felt like I was ripped off when I played that game. I oh, thought really? it was going to be, like... A platformer game where you played as the villains. I was all excited. Nope. Nope. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting aspect of the good old days is that we really didn't have many previews for games. I mean, I guess you could have looked at the back of the box, but even then, I mean, it's got this... I'm looking at it, it has this cutscene where it looks like, oh, maybe you can control the robots or something in that room. That, that's the issue, too, though. Like, when you grew up, like, my cousins, they didn't keep their boxes. They didn't care about boxes or anything. They only had the cartridge. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. You look at the cartridge, it's just, it looks awesome. He's, like, pointing. And... Yeah, so it's like, I, I kind of felt a little ripped off, so I was never really that into it. But, well, I'm a kid. I don't want to be playing no puzzle game. <laughs> Should be noted, too, Greg Martin, I believe, did the art for this, the cover. Yeah, it definitely looks like his style, at least yeah. looking at the cover for it. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm assuming he also did Sonic Spinball, so I don't want to make that assumption. I, I believe he did. But, um, yeah, I, I got the game, I believe. I mean, I have it here. It was one of the original Genesis games I owned. I owned about, I think, 12 maybe growing up. And uh, I definitely loved this game. It was um, the only – I was a, I was an only child growing up, and I didn't have a lot of friends who would come over. I'd usually go to their house. So it's the only real two-player game that I played a lot because my mom liked it. So, uh, yeah, I play this with my mom. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good game. Um, it's, it definitely was my introduction to Puyo Puyo, which I've since, I think I've, I own about four of the games now. Uh, but, um, I don't know, there's something about this version that I just really like. I think despite not having all of the special uh, abilities in the later games, like I believe Puyo Puyo's son for Saturn has a lot of, unique new abilities or even the Tetris Puyo Puyo Tetris that came out. I don't know. There's maybe it's just the adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog uh, art style that appeals to me, but, um, and there's some great music too. It should be noted. The uh, music is a uh, collection of music, existing music from the Puyo Puyo franchise, but it was actually remixed for the game in some areas or uh, changed just a little bit. To make it just feel harder, more American-like. Oh, God, yeah. Well, it has an e- a bald eagle screeching at the title screen. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I, so, I, uh, admit, like, I, I do like some, how some of the music sounds in it, but I, I, you know, I didn't really get the idea of, like, or at least at the time, I was like, oh, this is a Sonic game. Like, you know, it just didn't really click with me. In fact, I kind of, looking back at it now, I kind of feel like the characters look really disgusting. Because <laughs> as much as you like the Adventures of Sonic art style, I think I think Adventures of Sonic looks really gross. 
it's like it was almost bad as Rugrats of like how really terrible the animation can get. <laughs> oh yeah, well the the art style itself was almost like Rocky and Bullwinkle, where the characters were just kind of like really wacky looking, even worse than Rocky and Bullwinkle. You'd get like towns. Well, even in the game itself, it's like a town full of beans. And if you watch the TV show, that's not too far off. There's like towns full <laughs> of like I don't know what the hell they are, like cookie people or something. I'm sure that exists. I don't know what so Barry, you ever play the original? I have not, no. In fact, that's what kind of confuses me. I mean, is it specifically based on just the original Puyo Puyo from that, uh, 92? I, I, that's what I've been told. I've been told that it was supposed to be it, but they remixed it and re-released it, sort of like Mario 2. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've never played the original, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> it's on – I mean, the thing is, I don't think it's been released to the United States, at least legally, Uh so um well i know that the virtual console on the wii has some imported puyo pop game but it's probably not whatever was bi- whatever mean bean machine was based on mm-hmm. and of course you can get mean bean machine on virtual console too if you really want to or any other sonic collection yep well um, I, I guess uh if we want to move on to the next one i was going to note though on the um on the title screen when you move when you touch the buttons on the two player controllers you can jump the letters around on me and bean it's kind of fun <laughs> it's a nice yeah. thing uh yeah thing. i kept playing i played around with that more than i probably should admit <laughs> and i also wanted to say too this was uh just given the time period there weren't really that many sonic spin-offs at the time of course in 1993 the you know you had sonic cd on the sega cd and if you didn't have that you had to get something to you know to kind of tide you over until 1984 when uh, Sonic 3 and Knuckles would come out. That's true. So I could see George's disappointment. I mean, you have Sonic 1, 2, there's a few Game Gear titles, and then you're like, oh, wow, Robotnik the game, and it's a puzzle game. It's one of the earlier uh, spinoff titles, so I could definitely see that. But um, let's move on, actually, to a Sonic title, Sonic the Hedgehog Spinball, which actually released that same month in 1993, so it was a uh, interesting year for Western developed, or at least Western uh, tinkered with uh, games in uh, on the Sega Genesis for Sonic. Uh, what are your guys' memories of that game? Uh, Dave, uh, Bart, man, go first. Yeah, uh, go ahead. I, I, you know, this is actually another game that I was like, man, God, this is like way frustrating for a Sonic game because it was deceptively hard, especially when you're coming off of like Sonic Two, which is pretty easy going when it comes to uh you know the sonic style of game and then you come into sonic spinball which was pretty much entirely american made and you know you could definitely like even as a kid i was like man this the feeling just feels completely different to me and i'm not sure why this is because this is like supposed to be like the next big sonic game or at least it disguised itself uh, well enough as it could and I still remember it because, like, it was one of two Genesis games that I got for, like, I guess Christmas or something like that. Uh, but, at the, uh, you know, but that, you know, with Sonic Spinball, I was also playing another game that was frustrating me to no end, which was Disney's Aladdin. Mm. <laughs> but, like, you know, going back to Sonic, like, it just kind of... It just didn't really click with me when I first started playing it, because uh, like you know, obviously it's a big deal of like it's pinball physics, but now the entire game is dealing with all these uh, pinball, uh, you know, pinball uh, pieces, you know, parts of the setting for like the four levels that you go through, mm-hmm. and uh, 
you know, you kind of don't realize like how short it is until you realize like, you know, you figure out how to play it. And then it's just like, it's uh, like only four levels long, which is really surprising. But it's difficult. It is difficult. And I think if I recall, like I remember listening to a Retronauts podcast, like there, like there was like a bunch of like ex uh, Atari and Midway guys working on it. So you had people who worked on like NARC who would work on this Sonic Spinball and it had, uh, and uh, some of the boss designs like are like insanely nightmarish to the point of like you get a Robotnik Scorpion or the Vago machine that has like a bunch of puking Robotnik heads. It's like, what the hell is going on? (laughs) (laughs) And this was developed by the Sega Technical Institute. I mean, proper. I know you're mentioning other developers too. Yeah, but, um, but they all they all pretty much came to work at STI for this project. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. George, do you have any memories of this uh, iconic game? Like iconic game, dude? Are you serious <laughs> right now? We're really talking about this trash? Um, was this no? Was this one of those other games where you got it and you're like, yes, and this is the Sonic no, game? I didn't get this game. I um I went and like you know when Toys R Us used to have like. A pretty decent section. I don't know if they still have a pretty decent selection of games, but I used to. Well, I, I used to be. I used to go all the time, and uh, they used to have where you could play games. Mm-hmm. And uh, I played this one, and I didn't like it at all, dude. I wouldn't want that at all. Like you, when you're a kid, you only get a certain limit of games you could buy a year. Oh yeah. For you know being a child, you know it sucks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to be spinning a game on the spinball game, even if it is Sonic. So definitely didn't get this game when I was growing up. What are your thoughts on it now? You don't, uh, Sonic, I don't know. I wouldn't play it, honestly. I'm not really that into pinball. So it definitely wasn't for me. I don't know who they're trying to like uh, market it at. Like, especially at the time, I don't know, were that many kids into pinball? Like, I thought that was more like a 70s thing. I don't know. Well, I guess well, the... No, here, go ahead, Bartman. Well, after they, you know, you, you know, Casino Night came out, uh, you know, you got to play Casino Night in like Sonic 2 or at least Spring Yard in Sonic 1. And, you know, the connections to pinball were pretty easy to make with Sonic the Hedgehog. And then, you know, they, I guess they thought for a game with Sonic in it, the next logical step would be let's just make a Sonic game that focuses heavily on pinball. Like, it sounds genius if you think about it. Um, and, you know, I. It definitely sounds like a great idea, at least on paper, even when I was a kid, although I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really that big into pinball at the time. I probably never really played any pinball machines because I was too small to actually play on a table. (laughs) But, um, you know, like there are some moments that I thought were actually kind of interesting, but, you know, it's just surprising, like how little of a platform, if at all, that the game really is like it really is just trying to focus it's uh gameplay mechanics around pinball solely and you have some control over sonic that's uh you know to kind of tilt sonic around left and right it even has a spin dash move although it's kind of useless <laughs> I-, I can't wait for the taxman uh remake on, on <laughs> yeah, right. here. oh yeah well yeah that was, I'm, that was no here go i was gonna ask i wonder if there was like okay the game only had four levels i wonder if there's any levels that never made it into the cut like um, four is pretty short. That's true. Yeah, it is kind of short. Although, at least from what I could gather up, I mean, it's uh, you know the wiki, the Sonic Retro wiki may say otherwise, but it seemed like it was pretty cut and dry in terms of like what kind of went into the game itself. Like there is a promo video that's floating out there that uh, you know that somebody at STI made to kind of uh, 
to greenlight the game within the business, you know, with this, within Sega executives and whatnot. And it looked pretty much the same. Like, it looked like uh, the second level, which is uh, the Lava Powerhouse. Mm-hmm. And it looked pretty similar. Like, you got to meet Hip and Hop. Like, I don't know if any any uh, any modern Sonic fans remember Hip and Hop. <laughs> yeah, they were in, uh, well, they were in the Archie comics, too, in the adaptation. Yeah. And, of course, you know, you also, you all, this is, like, pretty much the only other place where there would be, like, other TV and comic book Sonic characters would be coming in. You know, besides Cluck, there's also, like, Princess Sally, you got Antoine, Bunny, and, uh... You know, Robotnik is still retaining his American design, which always kind of bothered me because, like, I I still don't I never really quite get why back in the day there were like these two different designs, and it's just honestly it's just because there was just two different teams kind of taking care of Sonic at the time. Well, thank goodness we don't have that going on anymore, right? Oh wait, <laughs> oh. Um, no, but um, I was I one more thing I was gonna oh sorry oh, one no, more thing no, I was gonna no. ask about the game like it was a full price game, right? Oh yeah, I believe so. So was Sonic Knuckles, right? Yeah. All right. Like I like I, I don't I don't really recall there being like any major price differences between you know, Sonic you know Spinball three or Knuckles. Like as far as I know, they were pretty much the same price because they figured you know it's just Sonic, the Sonic tax. I wonder what would happen if there's ever a Sonic like now. Imagine all the outrage if there's a Sonic title where it's only four levels and it's a pinball game, like randomly, like a side well, game. Sonic, Sonic Four was four levels. Sonic that was pinball a fifteen dollar game. Sonic That's pinball true. Game it was like a box game. Sonic level. Uh, on the topic of price, I'm just looking at the wiki here. Uh, Sonic Three Japanese price was five thousand eight hundred yen, and in the U.S. it was fifty five dollars. Uh, Spinball does not have a U.S. price, but it, it was more in Japan. It's six thousand eight hundred compared to the uh, five thousand eight hundred, an extra thousand yen. I wonder if that's because you know they they you know they imported that game from America to release you know in their native country, uh, like Sonic Transforms, Sonic and All Stars Racing Transforms, kind of going through a similar thing. Like it costs more than Mario Kart Eight does. Which uh, Mario Kart 8 is like about 3,900 yen, and Sonic Transformed is 6,980 yen. Which Sonic Transformed costs cool. more than Sonic Spinball. Yeah, <laughs> no inflation. It's so weird. <laughs> but um, on the subject of the the game's plot, it's the only game to mix, actually, to feature the Saturday morning Sonic the Hedgehog characters who appeared in uh, the bonus stage. I believe they were like frozen in place, you had to save them. It also, like we were saying, uh, incorporates Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog stuff. Now, again, I don't know if that went, the, the game came first and the show picked up on it or or what, but uh, like you were saying, there was a television adaptation and a comic book adaptation, so this was probably the most widely covered uh, Sonic game of the time. I, don't, I can't think of any other uh, games in the 90s that received a Game can TV we can we safely say? I was gonna say, can we safely say that this is a uh, uh, Sonic Boom before Sonic Boom? <laughs> Maybe not to that extent, but it definitely they definitely tried to uh, cover all their bases outside of Sonic Spinball action figures, which actually would have been kind of cool. I do remember but, uh, like really like listening to the Sonic Boom soundtrack. Like it had those yep. bonus tracks for Sonic CD, and I was really bummed out that like uh, the last two levels didn't get any kind of remix. 
oh right the uh, lava powerhouse remix that was yeah i mean i wanted to get to the music too um the music was is probably as outside of the absolutely horrible uh, options screen which is uh, i'll play yeah i'll play a clip of that i'll edit that in right now it was only three seconds so don't worry. But, well, good because like, <laughs> God, I hate that fake guitar synth that in Spinball and Comic Zone. If anyone ever tells you there's no such thing as a bad Sonic song, you just play that for them. But yeah. um, no, Lava Powerhouse, uh, Toxic Caves, they all had some. They were really good tracks. Uh, it's just like you were saying. It was a shame that the uh, Spencer Nielsen takes on them on the bonus disc weren't uh, included somehow then again then we'd have to be seeing this on sega cd and i don't know if we want a sega cd port yeah involved i mean they already they were kind of running into some weird production problems because like you know at this point you know people who are listening to this podcast probably have already read retro and they're like oh yeah no i know about the story of like how there's two different versions of sonic spinball where there's two different versions of the title screen blah 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 Mm -hmm. which i think is kind of strange that you know Sega was not willing to fund, you know, give money to Dreams Come True to redo the, uh, you know, the Sonic the Hedgehog jingle for an American game. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, Sonic Two is pretty much the last game where you heard that jingle uh, because you know they had to pay royalties to this Japanese pop band. Yeah, yeah. I never, I never heard that until like I randomly stumbled upon it in a ROM in a, mm-hmm. you know, you know, sometime down the line in my in my future and then i was like you know i was really baffled by listening to that version of the song yeah and looking at these um early game design concepts too uh it's noted that it it is very similar to sega sonic the hedgehog where it shows uh in these designs it looks like it's almost like a fusion of eggman and robotnik and i actually kind of like it um but uh yeah he's he's looking at the mountain from his lair and then it it shows the cutscene. Um, kind of as we see it in the final version. I will say that the opening cutscene is pretty awesome. I mean, it's got the big, it's probably one of the more epic. I mean, well, yeah, compared to Sonic 3, I definitely think it beats it in terms of uh, kind of craziness, just getting you into the game. It's just a shame that, you know, you take your first few steps, Sonic's really slow, he moves kind of funny, and then you get into the pinball, and it's not, it's not one-to-one with uh, Sonic 2. And I think yeah, if they made that... this game with the Sonic and you know the the real sonic physics it could be a lot of fun yeah i think that's really the part that really threw me off the most is because you know i've learned how to play the game through sonic 1 and sonic 2 and then you get to spinball and it just the frame rate is lower and you know like you're saying the handling is just completely different mm-hmm. but i think it's because they wanted to simulate more of a pinball feel than a sonic feel uh you know since you know it's that american influence like pinball is an american invention Mm-hmm. So, of course, they want to try and go for something like, uh, you know, that would probably be more akin to, you know, what is at home. Yeah. And there probably was very little communication between, like, the Japanese teams and the American teams of, like, you know, what this game should feature and whatnot. There were some groovy bits. I, I guess I'd describe them as that, where it was like you, you, you lose the ball, you lose Sonic, and he's down there. And this uh, this dragon comes up. Do you remember that? And then he bites yep. you, and you have to like tap the buttons to jump out of his mouth. That was there were some cool touches like that. There was um, 
you know, hitting the birds, which I believe was Cluck from the Saturday morning cartoon. Uh, some of them were uh, Cluck. Some of them were like other random enemies, like floating space man with hockey pucks. I don't know what the hell was course. going on there. That uh, was the 90s. Um, busting the barrels, you know, you get the Chaos Emeralds. Um, but yeah, it was the, I, I think it was the first Sonic game where I realized that if other developers get their hands on Sonic, it's not always this, it's not going to be the same. I think at the time you're just like, well, Sonic, Sonic. But when you start playing this, you're like, this was not made by the same people, was it? And you, you're like, it doesn't control the same. This is really weird. Why is this happening? <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, you know, like like Mean Bean, it's kind of it almost kind of is a lesson in uh, uh, game development. Uh, in this in this case, it's it's seeing how another team can take Sonic and make it different, for better or worse. I don't. It depends on your opinion of the game. Worse. Worse. <laughs> yeah. The well, only other real, the only other real distinct memory I have from this is that, you know, since I got this at the same time with Aladdin, I just, like, this is so random. Like, it's just, I just remember, like, this Aladdin soap that was in the shape of the magic lamp that, like, I would just smell because <laughs> I was, you know, I had these as Christmas gifts, all right? And, you know, what else am I going to be doing except, you know, trying to rub the magic lamp and I'm getting soap on my hands on accident? Like, who cares? <laughs> I don't know why that's such a distinctive memory with me. That's so insane. So yeah, and... I remember uh, we used to write journals every day in our uh, class. Yeah. When I was a kid, and I wrote a whole thing about the Aladdin video game, and uh, the teacher didn't really like it. She's like, "So all you did was play Aladdin?" I was like, "Yeah, that's what I did." Nothing <laughs> <laughs> wrong with that. So would you say Aladdin's a better game than Spinball? Oh, oh yes. God. Yeah, it is, but uh, you know, I begrudgingly say that. <laughs> Uh, well, we'll get to that when we have our Aladdin special, and you can tell us how much you love that game. Oh, that'll be a day. <laughs> <laughs> Ali Baba, Ali Boo Boo. Uh, moving on, we're going to jump ahead three years to Sonic 3D, Flicky's Island, also called Sonic 3D Blast, uh, released again in November. November's a popular time for Sonic games, uh, and released much later in Japan. Correct? Yeah, it was released around the time uh, the Sega Dreamcast had come out, but by the time they did that, they kind of changed around some of the artwork so mm-hmm. that this, you know, Sonic would kind of match his Sonic Adventure, you know, looks. Uh, but they still released it for like the Mega Drive and the Saturn, or may have been may have been just a Saturn release. Just a Saturn, yeah. And yeah. I wanted to get to that the wacky uh, in between Sonic Adventure art, but. Um... The game itself was developed by Traveler's Tales. Uh, obviously, just because it's Traveler's Tales does not mean this is the exact same people who made the Lego games. Uh, you know, teams always change. But it is it is interesting that this was one of their early games. Um, yeah, what are, you, what are your memories about this one, Bartman? Do you have any? Hella boring. <laughs> <laughs> like, if it, like somehow I think I actually I think I actually find this game even more boring than uh, Sonic Spinball because. Really? Like the it's the game's never really hard. Like the real difficulty comes from at least kids who have a really hard time trying to figure out how 3D is supposed to work. And of course, you know, you know, traditionally you're going to be used to a 2D platformer, especially when you're growing up playing like Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Then you get to Sonic 3D Blast, and you know you're afraid that you're going to like jump off the level and die, or you know you're just going to kind of get caught up. 
and then you know you're not used to like hitting up to make Sonic go in that direction, and whatnot. Um, although besides depth perception issues, like really, um, you know, as I kind of grew older, like I just kind of got more used to the fact that the game never really gets difficult. Like um, maybe the special stages are the actual part where it gets you know where it gets hard but then like the enemies don't really do anything like they'll run straight at you they'll kind of jitter in place they'll kind of float in the air back and forth or be on the ground and go back and forth and you just got to collect five flickies and then get to the end of the level like it's not once you figure out that you can just hold the spin dash button and move around suddenly the the game's difficulty just disappears like it's Mm -hmm. becomes trivial just becomes trivial at that point uh, well, and this really is. I was gonna say this really is. I mean, flicky 3D, starring Sonic. <laughs> yeah, basically. I, I I still wonder if like this may have been just like a Sonic, you know, a different game before somehow Traveler's Tales got the ability to make games for it. Because clearly, you know, the, they use computer graphic models, and they must have been impressed by that because Sega was losing some serious money to Donkey Kong Country with Nintendo. Uh, you know, presenting that around 1994. And of course, that was, you know, Sonic 3 Knuckles, you know, that came around, around similar around the same time as Donkey Kong Country, which basically sold a ton of, a ton of copies of that game. And, you know, I guess Sega wanting to capitalize on that, on that, uh, that high that the game industry had, you know, you had Sonic 3D Blast. Uh, I first I first played Sonic 3D Blast on the Sega Channel because that was the first you know that was when they were introducing like demos to uh, mm-hmm. to people and I got to play Green Grove but I was really nonplussed when I when I played it as a kid uh, but I did end up owning it anyway but I bought it for or my dad got it for me on the Sega Saturn. Okay. George, you, you love this game. Scary? No, how George loves this game. Yeah, yeah. Tell me how much you love this game. Oh, dude, this game is fucking amazing, dude. All right, first of all, I love the fact that the controls are terrible. Kind of makes the, I mean, the jumping. I like, I like the crappy camera view. That's my That's favorite nice. part. Nice. Um, no, I, honestly, I didn't play this growing up. I played it way later, and I played the Genesis version. I don't know if the Sega Saturn version is different, but I didn't really think much of it. I guess it was uh, cool that they focused some on flick on flickies, I guess, the little birds. Mm-hmm. But that's about it. I thought that was like the only interesting part of the game. Everything else is kind of lame, honestly. Because they never really talk about the creatures you save. That's why. Yeah, the 3D Blast did introduce me to Flicky the game, since that was also in Sega Channel, and I I kind of liked it, even though it's kind of a simplistic game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, going back, you know, if you go back to 3D Blast, like I, I I appreciate the fact that I think they even got like the sounds from the original Flicky Genesis game on. 3D Blast to go along with it. And, uh, you know, there's not really that... In terms of, like, Sega Saturn differences, there's not that many. Um, obviously, the it looks... It's got a lot more detail to it. There's a lot, a few more graphical elements that are added to it. And, of course, the special stages are completely different. Much better. Yeah. I, I, in fact, actually, um, the special stages in the Saturn version, I think, are, like, the best special stages in any Sonic game ever. Like, Oh, wow. I feel, I feel like, you know, you actually had to be a little more mindful of, like, the environment because there were, like, suspended platforms that you had to get Sonic onto to get more rings compared to, like, on, like, the Genesis version of 3D Blast where you just had this terrible-looking 3D effect 
and you had to run across it, and it just looks eye-bleedingly terrible, especially when you look in the background. Oh, my God. But yeah, yeah. But George, please, George, please continue. I don't... Oh, I was going to say, then, this, then they have special... Sta- the spa- we're in the special uh, special station... Uh, station... Uh, <laughs> that again. I'm not editing. We're in the special levels, like uh, <laughs> differently. Levels. Each, uh... You like pulled a Porky Pig just there. Yeah. I know special I did. Level. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, the special levels, like the special stages, weren't they like different in each version? Yes. In fact, you know, there's three different versions. In fact, we played on Sega Channel Retro. We checked out the PC version of Sonic 3D Blast, which was. Oh, like, it's not, in terms of, like, the main game, like, it's an okay conversion of the Saturn version, but you get a lower frame rate and less graphical effects uh, that are in the Saturn version. Then you get to the special stages, which is, like, friggin' garbage. Like, it's the worst thing that they could have possibly ever done. What are and they, they probably, like? And they probably accommodated for the fact that you're probably going to play on a lower-end machine, which is why initially they decided to not go for at least the Saturn's special stages. But you get a half pipe that is similar to, like, you know, in Sonic 2, but you can only run across that half pipe. And, you know, you have a bunch of rings and a bunch of bombs that are also laid out. But the bombs are laid out to a point where you really don't have any way to react against those bombs because the collision detection it makes Sonic so wide that, like, he's bound to hit something sooner or later. And... The penalty for hitting a bomb only costs you like five rings, but they throw so many of those rings on the uh, on the level that it's never really an issue. Mm. But it just feels so hideous uh, because like the camera like sometimes gives you a really bad angle, and like I said, those bombs can be laid out in a fashion that is like extremely counterintuitive to playing well. And it seems like like I said, the designers felt like they realize that they that it's not very good so they they kind of went in favor of the player even though it's uh they're all really poorly designed yeah i'd say these these three spin-offs we're talking about they all have a common theme and it's that as a kid it's it's disappointing once you play them just because it's 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 promising something and you get something else you know you look at I loved Mean Bean, so I wasn't the one of the ones playing and going, God, I wish I was a Robotnik platformer. But, um, you know, you get to uh, uh, 3D Blast, and 3D's in the title. You're going to be playing, and at the time, too, there were 3D games, so you got to wonder, wow, I'm going to be playing 3D games on my Sega Genesis. I'm not even owning a 32X. This is going to be awesome. And I remember playing it, and it was like, I, I didn't quite understand how this was working i was like it looks 3d but it i don't think this is 3d i think this is a flat image and they're just tricking me um i i get years later i figured out it was isometric but um yeah it's they should have just made it uh they should have just tried to make it donkey kong slash vector man looking and made it a platform well, and the thing is, they they could have made like a game where you, you strip the flicky stuff and just have like Sonic isometric running around these stages, going through loops. I mean, you'd have to make some pretty big stages in order for them to make, you know, to get through them. And I think that's one of the reasons they put the flickies in, just because it s- intentionally slows you down so that they don't have to have such big stages. Uh, but because um, there's not really a whole lot going on in those stages, like there's very no. little in terms of like gimmicks. Yeah, the uh, enemies aren't difficult. They just kind of hover around the same area. They don't come after you, I don't think. 
There actually is a hack. Yeah, like there's maybe only like one type, one or two types of uh, bandits that'll actually chase after Sonic. But even then, like they're very easy to you know dispose of or at least ward away. Like, uh, but like, you know, there is a ROM hack out there that takes out the necessity to collect flickies, mm-hmm. uh, and I had a little more fun playing it. But then I kind of realized that the game just became incredibly easy at that point. <laughs> Uh, and of course, you know, the flickies themselves, there's actually like five different kinds. Uh, and what's worse is if you do lose track of one of them, then you're going to have a hell of a time trying to figure out where that, that flicky ran off to when you last left it, mm-hmm. uh, because you didn't get a map system until at least the Saturn or the PC version. Now, uh, speaking of the Saturn PC version, the soundtrack, I think the, again, the strong, strongest aspect of the game is the soundtrack. Um, Richard Jacques uh, made the Saturn music. And it goes by Richard the, Jakes. It's so weird. Jakes. It throws me off, too. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, well, I'm going to fuck this game up, name up, too. Jun, yeah. Jun Sanoi. I always say his name wrong. I just say Jun. Uh, made the music. Um, along with uh, Tatsuyuki made... Uh, I think I said it right. I'll just edit in correct pronunciations. No, I won't. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of tunes in this game that later appear in Sonic Adventure, um, including the uh, Green Grove Zone theme, I believe. Uh, some other ones. Can you remind me, Bartman? Oh, well, of course, there's also, like, the spinoffs. Uh, or, you know, like, Sonic Generations had, like, remixes of uh, the Saturn version's title screen. Mm-hmm. Oh, the cutscene music is from... Uh, the opening cutscene music is in um, Sonic Adventure as well. The do, 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 yeah. Do. yeah, it's uh, it's it's a good soundtrack. Would you admit that? I, I mean, I definitely like the soundtracks on both games. Like I, back in when I was a kid, you know, since I owned the Saturn version, I really liked the soundtrack. But then, after playing more of the Genesis version, uh, I started kind of warming up to that almost equally. Like it's kind of the same case of like. The two different soundtracks for Sonic CD. Like it's hard. It's actually hard for me to pick a favorite because I think they're both really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they obviously kind of evoke a different style compared. You know, if you try to compare one with the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I believe uh, the "You're My Hero." I think that appears in s- some bits from it appear in Mes- Metropolis Street Racer. I could be wrong, but... Uh, yeah, you, no, you're right. I remember Shaddix was pointing this out to me uh, when he's not badgering me to play PSO2. <laughs> but, like, uh, uh, but yeah, no, I I mean, I, I listened to a little bit of that, and I think they actually got TJ Davis to at least sing the Metropolis uh, Street Racer uh, song there. Uh, she's not in she's not in 3D Blast. No, it's a completely different uh, mm-hmm. singer for the uh, for the Saturn PC soundtrack for the end for the end song. Mm-hmm. And when I was a kid, I kind of felt it was a little weird. That's a weird love song for a, a Sonic the Hedgehog game. Yeah, when you consider who he's rescuing, it's birds, and Knuckles and Tails are kind of just hanging out. So yeah. it's it's a love song to the birds. It's like, I guess it's Sally doing it? I don't know. Because, you know, back when you were a kid, all you can think of is, like, Sally when you're not when you're playing a Sonic game, even though she's never really been in any of them, except for one. But she was just standing still. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of standing still, uh, Tails and Knuckles are in this. However, at least in the uh, Genesis version, they just stand there. You kind of give them rings and they just hang out. Kind of, It kind of sucked that you couldn't play as them. 
Yeah, that kind of bummed me out too. But you know, I, you know, looking obviously looking back at it now, I don't think how exactly that that would have been possible for them to include that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, and then the Saturn version, which we can t- we've touched on a little bit, uh, they join you, I believe, or at least they drop you off into the stage. Uh, you have yeah. Knuckles carrying Sonic and Tails carrying Sonic. So yeah, that was blew me away when you know you had those 3D graphics of Sonic, and it's like, oh man, I can't wait for like a whole game to be like this. <laughs> and that game was Sonic Adventure, which actually um, the Saturn version of this released in Japan. On the same day as Sonic Adventure International. I guess that's kind of a way of like, you know, we got a Sonic game that's still here. We may as well as put it out, uh, yeah. you know, in case, you know, this Dreamcast, you know, people don't want to buy a Dreamcast. They can still at least get a Sonic game to come out for it. Even though Sonic's obviously not as big of a seller in Japan, but he still sells mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, so guess... what do you guys think that the the, the song uh, Panic Puppet Zone thing was used in two really good video games, Shadow the Hedgehog and uh, Sonic Chronicles. Was it? Oh, that's right. Yeah. I, I at least remember the Sonic Chronicles uh, placement. That's because oh, uh, Richard Jakes also did Sonic Chronicles' soundtrack. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was kind of using this weird MIDI system that they had to come up with uh, when they weren't using terrible butt rock. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's. But yeah, I, I I've never I barely played Shadow of the Hedgehog, so I can't really speak for that one. Well, I will say that this of the three, this one has left a most lasting impression on the franchise, just from the flickies and from the uh, music that was repeated, not just uh, nostalgically, but also just I guess they needed some extra music, and they were like, well, I'll just reuse that song from Flicky's Island. No one's gonna notice. I'll I'll give them credit for at least trying to adhere to like the main Sonic style as best they can in 3D. Like mm-hmm. they must have been getting like a lot of direction from Sega as they were working on it, but it doesn't change the fact that Traveler's Tales is not really made of very good game designers. <laughs> yeah, yeah the the idea behind it and the fact that like it kind of expands the world to the little animals that's cool, but it wasn't that great of a game. I guess if, if you were to take Sonic out of it and it was like Jumpin' Jack Rabbit and the Flicky's Island or something crazy like that. Uh, Even Toy Story. Yeah. Well, would you have liked the game more if it was not Sonic? It was just some like if it was Flicky 3D and you played as like a big bird that rescued the little birds. I, I don't think we'd be talking about it. Well, we wouldn't be talking about. It, but would you have liked it a little more? Uh, we still wouldn't be talking about it. <laughs> it's <was> boring. <laughs> yeah. It's so boring. Like oh. I guess there would have been no way to sell that game. They would have had to put Sonic on it. Otherwise, no one would have bought it, especially in 1996. Yeah. Did you want to talk about Toy Story? Not really. I mean, that, that I hate that game too. <laughs> like once I made that connection when I, was, when I when I when I when I made that connection when I was a kid, I, I was like, man, these guys really suck. Yet for whatever reason, I kept getting all these friggin' Traveler's Tales games, like A Bug's Life and Toy Story and Toy Story 2, all on PC. What the hell was I thinking? You were a Pixar fanboy. That's what you were thinking. Yeah, I suppose. So, what are your guys' uh, overall thoughts on uh, <laughs> Sonic? I wish I'm I'm sorry we couldn't have discussed the great games, but I think you get a lot more discussion out of the mediocre to bad titles. Uh, what are your thoughts on Sonic spinoffs on the Genesis? Like, just for me, they just never really hit the same mark as what you would get out of like a regular Sonic game, and you know. 
being a kid, you know, your parents are going to buy whatever Sonic the Hedgehog character is going to be on the box. And, you know, for better or worse, I mean, well, it's weird. Because, like, I do know that there are people who do enjoy Spinball. I know people who enjoy 3D Blast. And Mean Bean Machine, you know, I should probably reiterate, is, I, you know, it's an enjoyable game. I just think the game looks gross. But... (laughs) I think this is all just like Sega trying to like out shit, like out make shitty games than Nintendo because like even Nintendo had like they had that Dr. Mario game and then mm-hmm. they had the the shitty ass Where's Mario game and the Mario Paint. And they, they even had, had good spin offs too, like the Mario Kart games. I mean, Nintendo was doing a lot of Mario spin offs, probably far more than Sonic was at the time. I had Wacky Worlds, which was, I guess, their Mario Paint like spin off, and mm-hmm. I only got it because Sonic was on the box. And then I went and played it, and I went, Where's Sonic? Because he's literally not in the game. Like, I saw Tails, I found Tails, he's like these, uh, this character you can place. Because, uh, like, Wacky Worlds is supposed to be like this little sticker book kind of thing. And Is Sonic's in the UFO? Yeah, oh, that's right. He's in the UFO. He's and the stage selector, and that's it. Yeah. Did you guys ever play Mario is Missing the Game? That one's oh, awful. Yeah, it was pretty bad. In yeah, fact, I rented that game with actual money that I earned. Dude, total disappointment. <laughs> total disappointment, man. I hate... Uh, I never bought a Nintendo, like, a Mario game after that, like, without oh. playing it first. Like, Never. And I mean that's a gamble that these people they take too. And when you put such a beloved franchise, like I mean the main series Sonic and the main series Mario games were really good at the time. And if if you just screw a kid once, they're not going to forget that. Uh, unfortunately, I, I think you, you, we didn't forget it, but we also kept buying the games even though we, didn't. <laughs> yeah. we definitely didn't learn our lesson. Somebody's got to write for that wiki. That's true. Yeah. As a kid, as a as a five year old, you're like, Mom, I know it's bad, but I gotta write a wiki in fifteen years. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it's interesting too, the I'm just looking ahead quickly. The Saturn, again, it had three D blast, it had jam, uh, jam, which wasn't really a spin off, it was a compilation disc. Uh, mm-hmm. the Dreamcast had Sonic Shuffle, which I don't really want to get into because it's it's a piece of crap. Now loading. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's the original Sonic 06. Um, and you even move into the the Xbox and the the GameCube era. You have the the Riders games, which I've never been a fan of. I find them really hard to play and get into. It wasn't really of, until oh, what's that? No, I kind of enjoyed Sonic Riders, even though it was basically Kirby Air Ride, but you had more buttons to deal with, which was it was overly complicated. Contest. I thought. Yeah. But it's interesting to think that it wasn't until the Xbox 360, PlayStation 3 era that we finally got uh, Sonic and All-Stars Racing, which uh, was a good game, and the Transformer was a lot better. It kind of bothers me that the better Sonic spinoffs were games that are literally aping Mario or Nintendo franchises. Yeah. Like, like not, even, not even the racing games, but even like Sega Superstars Tennis, uh, yeah. which is a decent tennis game, is still basically trying to ape the, pop- the popularity that Mario Tennis got. Uh, but, you know, I I don't blame them for trying something new with Sonic. In fact, you know, you, 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 you neglected, he then, you neglected to mention Sonic R. <laughs> oh, yes, I forgot about that. Well, that's the main series title, right? No, I'm just kidding. Well, it's it's also like... A guilty pleasure of mine because it's still made by Traveler's Tales and I still hate them, but 
that was like one of the 3D Sonic games that I will actively go back to, and I don't know why. I think it's just because it's just it's easy to kind of break the game and just kind of I don't know. Like there there is still I still think there's some merit to having a Sonic racing game, and they had a decent idea. They just again, Traveler's Tales doesn't know how to execute their plans very well. <laughs> so. Uh, you think that Transforms is probably too, uh, I guess, most people say, uh, too uh, Mario Kart-ish? It is, uh, it is definitely, like, you know, it kind of has that issue where it, it, you know, it picks up the mechanics for Mario Kart almost to a T. Uh, and in some cases, like, even, like, the first All-Stars Racing, I feel like doesn't really hold up that well because... You know, there's a lot of weird character balance issues, and, yeah. you know, it just, like, the level design, you kind of feel, it's limited and kind of doesn't really feel that it, it doesn't really expand upon itself the further you go in. In fact, like, the, it doesn't really necessarily get hard or interesting in terms of, like, you know, track design and blending with the mechanics. They did much better job, though, with Transformed, I think. I think that's... Yeah, they I did. Mean, before Mario Kart 7 release, because remember, even they were saying they were developing it, and then Mario Kart 7 appears, and they're like, oh, shit, they're doing what yeah. we're doing. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Even then, I think they did a much better job with the concept, and I wouldn't say that it was Transform that caused Mario Kart 8 to go with this anti-gravity kind of gimmick, but you never know. They might have been saying, hey, guys, we need to do something different. There's other, you know... The market's kind of getting a little, not saturated, but there's definitely transformed out there that they had to at least try something new. But um, I wonder how uh, I wonder how Transform is going to do in Japan, considering that isn't this the first title to go in Japan? These all-star super sumo digital games? Um, not quite. There, they did put out the first all-stars racing as an arcade game and a mobile game. So this is actually the second all-stars racing game to come out in Japan, but this is the first one that actually has a home console release. And it, it wow. looks like it's actually being more more specifically made for the Japanese audience, since uh, you know they're uh, you know they're actually kind of changing around like some of the elements, like the uh, items. The items is going to be changed around into a Puyo garbage block instead of the puffer fish. Refugee. Oh. Refugee. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people have actually been saying, why don't they just release a patch so they replace the the puffer fish with the Puyo, and I'm, I'm kind of agreeing with them. It would be an easy fix, I think. I don't know. I'm assuming that it's going to come. Don't worry about it, dude. <laughs> well, I'm sur- sure. I'd be surprised if the Japanese version on Steam... Well, okay, okay, here's the thing. I mean, it's coming out on Wii U and PS3 only, but yeah. the Japanese already have access to the Steam store, and there's already Japanese... You know, pe- people who play games in Japan, they're already getting... Uh, they're already getting, you know, buying All-Stars Racing Transformed, and looking over the comments, uh, they seem to love the fact that Wreck-It Ralph is in there. They don't seem to like that game. Yeah. Sugar Rushed, it's called in Japan. Yes. Are are they happy that, what's that girl's name? Diana Patrick? They're not even advertising the fact that Diana Patrick is in there. She's still in there, they're just not being as active about it. (laughs) Uh, Probably because NASCAR is not really a big deal over there. Well, who knows? Maybe in like 20 years, there'll be kids who think of Danica as like the the palm tree in Fighters Mega Mix or something like that, or Pepsi Man. That'd She'll be, be the Pepsi good. Man of of Japan. 
for us. <laughs> okay. Well, are we going to talk about uh? Are we going to talk? Was that the only thing they're going to change for the Japanese release? That's uh, about it. Little little things. Nothing that we've really noticed outside of uh, playing down Danica and um, Puyo. Oh, the announcer is uh, Tetsuya Takanobu Mits- Mitsuyoshi. Yeah. yeah uh, which you know if. It'd be kind of nice if they actually did release a patch for the uh, for the Steam version, yeah. because they could they they could somewhat easily add in uh, his quotes, except for the Puyo garbage block uh, refugee block thing, whatever. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, they could they could add a like a menu option saying voice American or Japanese. Well, if you change the the language settings in the Steam version, it automatically changes the announcer's voice to that specific language. So oh, it's already there, except for the Japanese uh, announcer, because there's no Japanese language option. Ah, interesting. interesting. Probably because yeah. the Japanese are still afraid of the PC market. The characters speak in Japanese, too, I believe. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, of course, if they do release a patch for the Steam version, I don't know if they'd be able to change that. Although it's, it's pretty interesting that a number of characters like Vice and Sonic... Uh, are going to get English uh, voice actors or you know Japanese voice actors. Although I, I think do... they might keep keep it English for like BD Joe or something like that because True. he's you know, what's a black man been been speaking Japanese? Never. Oh, well, never in the history Professor of Professor K. <laughs> I was. waku waku. I was going to say it's pretty crazy how the Steam version of Transform became the best version when the first game was terrible on PC. Like, it had no online multiplayer. It was the worst version. Yeah. So, very big step up for Sega on PC support lately. Definitely. Of course, now there's a bunch of angry people saying, well, now our console version is crap. Yeah. It's always about having more, I guess. Well, are we going to talk about other spinoff games? No, I think that actually covers all the Genesis spinoff games we were going to cover. I I honestly can't say anything about Wacky Worlds aside from Sonic Rides and a UFO. Yeah, it's it's just a, it's just Wacky Worlds is just a little sticker book thing that's part of their uh, Sega club that uh, has games that appeal to kids. Which I just wanted to buy it because it was Sonic, and I was disappointed to learn that there's very little Sonic to do with uh, Wacky Worlds. However, uh, aren't Toe Jam and Earl in it? Not Wacky Worlds. Uh, they're in Art Alive. Ah, but uh, Echo and Sonic are in Wacky Worlds. Yes. So it's it's the first uh, Mega Mix game, pretty much, and <laughs> it's two two franchises. Yeah. <laughs> so you can you can always you can see what it would be like if Sonic and Tails and and Echo lived under the sea. Play that Barney game. <laughs> yeah. That's well, maybe you can live stream that. But uh, that that just about wraps up the show. Um, is there anything else you guys wanted to add? I know. I wanted it's... to ask you guys mm-hmm. if you had to put them in. The top three, the best, two worst. Which how's the order? It's pretty easy. Three blasts is trash bottom, and maybe machine is at the top. There you go. That's mine too. Mine's opposite. And it's in release order too. So. Mine's opposite, dude. So I just got like say instead of getting better, say you just got worse on releasing the spinoffs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it takes, the opposite. To take to be this good takes Sega, I guess. I guess. Yeah. So that's well, the end of our show this week? Yeah, I, th- I thought it would be a walk down memory lane, but it ended up being a walk down memory pain. But, uh, <laughs> that's that's that. Uh, it it kind of bothers me that around, like, maybe 
after 1994, I think that's like kind of the marker for a lot of people of when Sonic basically kind of turned down, uh, you know, kind of started hitting some really sour notes and it just kind of get went worse from there. And this uh, year it's going to start again. It, they do it in a cycle, you see, 2004 to 2006 and then to, uh, 1994 to 1996 and then it's going to be 2014 to 2016, the bad games. Oh, I would kind, of, kind of say right now, I wouldn't be surprised if Sonic Boom was really boring. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You got to keep your positive of it. I'll, I'll try, <laughs> but like I don't know. Oh, all I, I got to say is I was really, really hyped for Sonic 06, and uh, I didn't believe the haters, and uh, I regretted it. Even at the time, I thought Sonic 06 had a lot of issues. Uh, like, and it, and it stems more to than just the gameplay. I think like the tone that it was trying to go for was uh, not quite what I would expect from Sonic the Hedgehog. But the, of course, this was also when it this was when it was coming off of Shadow the Hedgehog, and that was kind of like the point where I was like, you know what, I'm done with this series. <laughs> and here you are talking about it again. You always they always come back. You've Jesus learned your lesson. There's also, you didn't learn your lesson. None of us did. No, no, I didn't. But I, I like, I've, like I've told George, you know, I'd much rather be a Sonic fan than a Mario fan because when when there there are the good games and there are the horrible games, and when you get a good game, you really appreciate it. Well, let's let's end this. Uh, oh wait, uh, I do have one thing I do want to mention. Uh, yeah. That you know, you we can definitely uh, you can definitely expect a few more uh, Sega Channel Retro streams coming up in the near future, uh, since we did try and take a look at some Genesis games through uh, uh, compilations and whatnot. Uh, and of course, our, our lovely lovely Hatsune Miku stream where we got Aaron Weber to hang out in the chat that was pretty surprising. Cute. Yeah, that was fun. Too cute. But, like, um, <laughs> But yeah, expect more from that. We may do more Genesis games. I still need. To, I still want to try and finish Sonic Three and Knuckles and the PC version of 3D Blast, uh, and uh, we'll see where we can go from there. Cool. Look for us on uh, Twitch. You guys can subscribe. Yeah. Wherever, yes, wherever they do on there. Just search Sega Channel Retro. It should uh, pop up almost immediately. I'm also trying to archive some of the uh, the uh, episodes on YouTube in case you don't want to watch them on Twitch. But on Twitch, you get 60 frames a second if my computer can handle it. <laughs> George, is there any news you have to share before we go? No, uh, I'm taking ballet lessons. But besides that, nothing else, dude. Just <laughs> all right. follow us nice. on Twitter, on all that social stuff, and uh, check out the site because we have big uh, changes coming up in the near future. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get into that uh, soon. Um, I was going to say next week there is some Crazy Taxi City Rush content coming. Um, uh, For the the two people who are listening to the end of this, um, we're going to have an interview with the developer. We're also going to be giving away some Crazy Taxi City Rush iPhone cases, so uh, be on the lookout for that. And George and I also have uh, something in the works for Sonic. Uh, if it goes through, uh, you'll see that probably on Monday. And I'm um, like, what, what are we talking about? I'm excited. <laughs> oh yeah, it's happening. It's happening. So, um, so yeah. Until next time, uh, I'm Barry, and this is George, and this is Bartman. And thanks Bye-bye. for listening. Bye.
Mm-hmm.